Doing it live on a Tuesday, Bo Bishop and Johnny Ginter. This is the Dubcast. Special guest on this week's show is Michael DeSabato. He's the founder of the Perfectus Group. He holds the exclusive brand and likeness for college football, college basketball, all sorts of stuff. You know his name because it has been in the news lately. And I will tell you a quick story, and I'll set Mike up this way. Uh, I was doing radio up here in Cleveland, uh, filling in on the afternoon drive show on 92-3, and the story came across uh, of a lawsuit of Ohio State against uh, – Chris or Chris Spielman suing Ohio State, and I I swore it could not be possible because how could that happen? And 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 Mike, you you are part of this lawsuit. This is your company who's a part of it. You've got people like Chris Spielman and Archie Griffin who are involved, who are on the Mount Rushmore of Ohio State athletes. And so I ask you, how do how did we get here? How do we get to a point where Chris Spielman and Archie Griffin are suing Ohio State? First of all, Bo, thanks for your time. And uh, I was thinking about what you were saying uh, regarding regarding your reaction to Spielman versus Ohio State. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> for me, it was I, I, the first thing that came to my mind in this political environment was when I saw the headline, this is not fake news. I mean, it was it's <laughs> funny, actually, Mike. That's what I said on the radio. I said I, when I read it, I said. <laughs> I go, this is, this is not fake news. I said that exact line on the radio. Yeah, I said, this is hilarious. real. I actually, I actually yep. posted it that way, not, not really you know, thinking it was a negative thing. And I got, I got scolded by some of my friends uh, or some <laughs> of my partners in, in this saying, let's not go there. But it is. It's, it's a, to me, it's, um, it's a remarkable situation that's, that's occurred. And it, it's, a, it's actually a, uh, I see, it's it's a beautiful, crazy event. Let's say that. And and the way I I look at this is this. First of all, there is a a massive change that is happening within college athletics that has nothing to do with Chris Spielman versus Ohio State University. Um, the reality is, intercollegiate athletics as we know it is in a is in a massive change process. Uh, anyone that's involved in intercollegiate athletics. Uh, that you can you know, you'll speak to that's in their NCAA meetings in Indianapolis and their conferences and whatnot. They understand that the climate has changed, that the laws have changed. That O'Bannon uh, being the best example, and uh, the temperature from the athletes has changed. Uh, you've got the folks at Northwestern that had a you know uh, that rose up as we as we say uh, to speak to the. This apparent injustices of the system. No, it's not apparent. I just want to jump in real quick. And and the the big don't you think the big reason for this, Mike, is, is we jumped into the amateurism and and um, you went there. And so let's let's stay there for a second. It's the money's gotten out of control. Absolutely. I mean, and, and again, over I, 10 I think years, you're right. Well, you actually. Said I mean, the money like has it. gotten so big that that it cannot possibly be ignored. I mean, we have strength coaches at Ohio State make a million dollars a year. Defensive coordinators let me do. Give you numbers. Let me give you some numbers to think about. And these are real numbers. Uh, in 2016, the uh, top 55 uh, top 55 schools in the FBS had a top line revenue of over six billion dollars. Right. That's the re- that's, that's the reported. That's the reported top line revenue. And it's important that you say at, reported. Well, here's here's why I say reported, because colleges and universities. Are public domains, and they have very interesting ways of accounting for revenue. We know, based on uh, documents that we've secured uh, uh, on the Nike contract that was put in place in 2007 and then renewed in 2013, or uh, scratch that, in 2016, that major upfront payments were made to the university but did not go to athletics. They went to Part of it went to intramurals, I believe, and some other on-campus programming. Perhaps it was student life. I'm not exactly sure what the details are to that to that extent, but the long and short of it, $60 million came into the university and went and was dispersed in other um, departments. That's not, to my knowledge, considered the revenue to the athletic department. You have other another interesting accounting is there. There's proven research and multiple studies that show the connection between winning football and basketball teams and attendance. I think there was a couple of years ago, you saw a team make a run to the final four, George Washington or 
one of those teams. And there were studies after that. They're, they're, you know, their online applications were out of control. And oh, by the way, that's a business. Applications in and of itself is a business. Ohio State, when they won the national championship, and I, I believe 15, after 15, uh, there was there's one report that uh, university made over two million dollars in incremental revenue because of the on the, the uptick in overall applications. That's a business, okay? So that revenue is not not reported as athletic department revenue, but it's certainly driven by the performance of those young men that play college football and basketball. And oh, by the way, the other thing that's interesting I don't I want to address is this is not just a revenue sport generation problem. If Ohio State was not making money on wrestling and, and gymnastics and all the the wonderful opportunities that are provided in intercollegiate athletics, they wouldn't be in the business of, of funding them. The reality is the Big Ten Network, and this is a good segue, the Big Ten Network is a massive business that is built on the content that is created by all sports, not just football and basketball. No, they've uh, got to make the, the black go away. The, the and they got to fill is, a lot of programming, and that's where the rest of those go. And you, Bo, you know what the, the value of content in today's environment is billions of dollars. And at the end of the day, the content that's being developed and, and, and everyone's making money on, except the athlete, is – the expansion of business opportunities that are related to the greatest game in the world. I, listen, one of the things this that isn't, this isn't just a football basketball thing. This is wrestling, swimming, hockey, pretty much any college well, athlete would be part of something. Like that. It's mostly. I mean, the reason just to step in the the reason that the Big Ten Network gets what it gets for cable subscribers and is in the homes that it's in is because of football. Sure, I mean, yeah, that's why it's no there. That's no that's the cash cow. So that's the cash cow. Men's basketballs. They're the reason that the mo- the money has gotten out of control because those two sports have a value on television, and advertisers want to be involved with them. And that and those two sports drive it. Everybody else benefits from it, but those are the money makers, and that's where this big money's out of control. And and when you're talking about and as we get back to 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 this lawsuit, uh, what, what we're talking about here is and 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 Mike, to be perfectly candid with you. I have not talked to anybody who spent any time covering or around. I'm not talking about fans now. I'm talking about people who are around the business of big time intercollegiate athletics. I have not been around anybody, and I certainly don't have the opinion that that is not for your side on this thing. Okay. I mean, this is a pretty simple thing. Should Chris Spielman, Archie Griffin, and other former players have a right to control their likeness after they're done at Ohio State? You're damn right they should. I have a hard time thinking of anybody who would side well, against you on that. Well, let me, let me give you a couple of examples that are just striking to us. And again, these were, these were uh, you know, we had several conversations with both IMG, WME. Uh, WME is the, the parent company of IMG. Um, IMG is obviously the sports part of this, I, IMG College. Uh, they have the rights to Ohio State as well as 129 other uh, school division one slash two slash three they represent big brands the rose bowl these guys are in the business of sport they understand it better than anyone in sports here's the best example i can give you dwayne johnson is represented by wme dwayne johnson's brand is worth some would say billions of dollars sure. likely it is the rock if the yeah, university right. of miami was using dwayne johnson's image to sell Honda uh, cars inside of uh, the Orange Bowl or Joe Robbie Stadium or wherever Miami plays these days, right? It would not take us eight months to have a conversation and still <laughs> get to the point where we have no firm offer. Yeah, and, good point. And I can tell you, it's going to be very difficult for WME, in my opinion, WMIMG. Tom Brady's also a client of theirs. And I can tell you that if the University of Michigan, who is an IMG school, oh, by the way, yep. right. if, if IMG decided to use Tom Brady's image without his permission inside of, uh, inside of that stadium, I can tell you Tom Brady would have a very difficult conversation with Ari Emanuel because it's just not cool. It's not well, – Mike- there's nothing – there's no way you can justify that a, 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 an individual – 
that current that does has no current affiliation other than he's an alumnus of the university. And this this is not just Chris Spielman. This is 64 of no. the greatest you know players to ever play at Ohio State. And Mike, now, it's not just an Ohio State problem. I mean, you mentioned Michigan. Well, that's, that's what it's this 129 schools. That's why this is this this why this is this is going to take some time. But I would say this: I worked for IMG when I did the coaches show, right? So I I worked for IMG uh, when I did the coaches show at Ohio State. IMG paid Channel Ten to do the show, but I answered to IMG, right? So we developed a show and we did the show with IMG. The understanding that I had from them was that they paid Ohio State X amount of money, and in exchange, they got the keys to the kingdom. So I I would just say that that while we can while, while we can say IMG is the big bad wolf, Ohio State entered into this agreement with their eyes wide open. They gave them everything. They gave them the keys to the kingdom. So when the lawsuit is, I, I know that it, for some fans, I think it's easier to just say this is Chris Spielman against IMG or Archie against IMG. No, it's, it's Ohio State IMG. It's both. They're, I think it's important that they're viewed as the same, don't you? Absolutely. And, and again, you just, you just got me, cut me off before I could get to Ohio State. I wanted to leave them for last, though. So. <laughs> I didn't mean to cut you no, off. I just, no, I, no, that was right I, in my I, wheelhouse with the IMG I'm stuff. Because, listen, I can see, sense it in your voice and mine. This has been a, uh, a uh, over 15-year process with Ohio State. I, I began licensing, the, you know, back in the day, we did licensed jerseys with several of the former legends from 2001 to 2006, we had developed a very significant business with former players surrounding, you know, with the first introduction of a quote, quote, legends of the shoe program. And if you remember back then, you know, we developed everything from uh, bobblehead dolls and plush and Stafford dolls and all this player specific product that had never been done before because it created a new opportunity in the marketplace. No one had ever seen a Woody Hayes bobblehead or quite frankly, many much Woody Hayes product. The same is true for Archie Christen and, and the other players that have played at Ohio state. Ohio state is in the business of protecting their brand. They are. And again, I'm, this is not a negative uh, assessment of what the university is. It just, you got to understand that they are quasi public. They are a public institution. Uh, that has tax exemption and is it has a very very significant business that they have generated or that they have they have fostered for over x number of years uh, the brand has been uh, successfully marketed because the players have helped that process i mean there's right. no one at the end of the day when you think college football in ohio state the first thing that comes to most people's mind is archie griffin Woody Hayes and Chris Spielman. Now yeah. you can throw Trussell. There's there's other guys. Eddie George is wonderful ambassadors. But when you look at just the the what I call the theology or the mythology of college football, you, you're talking about two of two of the this, the pinnacles of how to handle yourself as a Buckeye, and who have have supported the university without question for you know in Archie's case for over 37 years. And Archie and Chris were not asking for anything like that was that's just not common sense. And and again, it's it was it was disappointing to me as a fan of Archie Griffin and Chris Spielman that they were put in a position. And again, who's who? Why this is? It's a very complex issue. But they were put in a position where they had to put their name on a lawsuit. In other words. The, the powers that be on the other side, meaning Ohio State, IMG, and that's really who's involved because IMG claims, you know, Ohio State gave us the rights, and mm-hmm. IMG, you know, they're pointing fingers at each other because, again, both of them made a big mistake. They made the deal. Again, it wasn't our – and, again, it right. wasn't our uh, objective to – to get in this situation, you're talking about two and a half years of work, and just on the Honda Banner program, over eight months of, you know, let's get to the tape, let's figure out how to how to make this a positive. Now, sometimes I've said this. Sometimes you have to throw a hammer down for all parties to really seriously 
address the issue that they all know. Is all, I mean, if the elephant's in the room, the elephant's not moving. I mean, it's in the room. So we can act like it's not in the room or we can fix it. And, and, and that's what I hope comes of this, which is what Archie, Archie said this in several conversations that I was involved in. You know, we want to help Ohio State become the leader uh, to set best practices as it relates to the future of college athletics and as it relates to players. Guys, this is not, again, I go back, players themselves, young kids that I listen to, you know, I deal with, I've dealt with professional athletes for the, over 20 years at all levels. And, and college athletics is the only system in the world that is built on a model that's just not fair. And again, well, it's free labor. And it's, it's- and, and I know that what, indentured servitude. Other yeah. people say it's a plantation economic model. Those are pretty powerful words, whether you whether you agree with them or not. They're powerful statements that have some truth to them. And again, it was fine. What that truth is. Don't don't you think, Mike? It was fine for a hundred years when Woody Hayes exactly. made a hundred thousand dollars a year. You know, exactly. from from eighteen exactly. from nineteen hundred to nineteen eighty eight. It's fine, okay. Now me, but but yeah. now the money's out of control, and well, so let me give you let me, every let me other things. Me. So many other things, and look, we all evolve. As society, we evolve, yeah. right? And and right. the money has gotten so big, and it's been so big for so long. I mean, just look what's happened. Look at look at the the coaching salaries in the last five years. I mean, if you think about you know Saban, Saban's making nine million. Harbaugh's making nine million. 11. What's Urban at seven? Nick just uh, went to eleven. Okay, eleven. We don't even know what Shashesky makes because he works at a private school. He's probably fifteen. So, and and the thing about it is, all those guys are worth their money because the way the system is set up, they're the only ones who can make the money. The kids can't make the money. So, and I think what happens is, is we point the finger at the NCAA. And I want to let Johnny because I know he's got a few things to ask as well. And, yeah. But this is just such in my wheelhouse. I'm sorry. I apologize. I, I just am very passionate about this. I love it. The 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 the, the amount of money's gotten so big. And and there there has to be there there is a way to share the wealth to the people who oh, are doing so it many beyond ways, the education. There's so many ways. Let, yeah. me, let me mention back before. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. Some of the numbers you mentioned the numbers, the salary increases, and it, it, it's my, it's our position. And I've you know Archie because the coaches deserve what the market makes them what the market is. Okay, at the end of the day, Nick Saban wouldn't be at eleven million in one year if the university wasn't making multiples on top of that right okay i mean when you look at now it is i think it's absolutely the most bizarre pr in the world to have a football coach make 11 million and the governor of the state of, of, of you know the <laughs> state they're both they're both public employees let's not forget right. that so what what has happened is we we've developed a system or no we've We've held to this old school mentality of amateurism that has put us in a position today where it makes no sense. And, you know, quite frankly, the coaches are in a difficult position. They look at these young kids. He's making, uh, you know, coach is making 11 million and he really has no power, quote, quote, to affect change as it relates to the players. I mean, no one wants to step in the middle of that and be the person that says enough enough leadership yeah. leadership i said this very recently and my coach had told me this um uh re, you know would preach this to us leadership is not a position it's an action and chris spielman when i think of that quote i think of chris spielman and archie griffin they're not quote quote you know the president of the university or or you know, they are who they are because they build a brand on integrity. And they stand right. above, almost stand above the craziness that has gone on in college football. College athletic directors last year to this year, their salaries are up over 35% nationally. And yet the, the, the compensation of the, the wage growth as a nation is stagnant. Now, public officials paid themselves 35% more 
last year for this year as opposed to last year. If if we were looking at that as taxpaying citizens, which this is a government entity, right? We would say, what is that? What's going on now? Go back to that six billion we mentioned. Add the numbers. When you look at the NFL, the NFL is a thirteen billion dollar top line revenue organization. We got fifty five schools getting donations and building these massive endowments. I mean, Ohio State raised a hundred million dollars from one individual and it's not ironic that that person also got the dot the eye inside a football stadium where players built the brand right well so i actually want to talk about that real quick the the one thing that i think people need to start wrapping their heads around that i don't think people have caught up to yet is the idea that there are so many avenues for a student athlete to profit off their likeness in ways that I don't think people who are currently following this, who maybe hadn't thought about it before, really recognize when you talk about uh, the kid at UCF, for example, with the YouTube, uh, you know, the YouTube uh, account that he has where people can subscribe and he can monetize that, uh, where you've got Instagram accounts where you can like sell Advocare potentially, or where you have a Snapchat that maybe somebody can buy into. There are so many different ways that athletes may be attracted towards, uh, you know, using their likeness to make money. Human beings. Human beings, yeah, though, by the way. Exactly. It's, it's right. That, that's my point. This is so yeah. widespread. This isn't just one or two, like, you know, individuals doing this. This is something that lots of people do. A lot of young people do on a regular basis who are not athletes. And to ask an athlete to give that up when they see their peers doing the same thing to them, I think, would make no sense because there are tons of people. I've got a student who uh, runs an Instagram account with something like 30,000 followers. Right. Amen. This is a high school kid who, who just, you know, reposts stuff on Instagram, you know, follows other accounts and whatnot. He makes money off of that, real legitimate money off of that. And he's in high school. I can't imagine if you were an athlete and then go into college and ask and give that up. That's right. And, and again, why would why would we ask young men who play the most dangerous sport, perhaps in the history of the world outside of the Coliseum? <laughs> How can we ask these young men, 65% of which come from lower income, inner city neighborhoods, how can we expect them to come to a university, play a game that is life-changing in a number of ways, but also very dangerous as it relates to long-term health issues? Right. Knee injuries. I mean, look at what's happening currently with concussions and CTE. I use this reference a lot. You know, I hear, you know, well, they get free education and they get this and they get that. There's a lot of students on campus, my daughter included, that, that has been awarded academic scholarships because of their work in the classroom. And she receives X number of grants. She's a great student. I'm very proud of her. She has to maintain a certain standing each year, but no one tells her when to study, what classes they can take because of their schedule, which includes over 80 hours a week on their sport. I'm not talking 40 hours. I'm talking 80 hours. And I know that because I competed myself 20 years ago when there wasn't this kind of money, and that's what we were doing then. And, oh, by the way, it's only gotten – more demanding right for the to be on the highest level i mean we're talking about the highest level of athletes in the country and many of which peak between 14 to 22 years old meaning they're in their best economic or the best uh years of their life to make the most income off of their god-given athletic abilities it's no different than in my opinion than lionel messi became Hmm. a pro in in uh, barcelona when he was 14 he was paid he had an option to go to school there's not not the college education is not for everyone i loved it it was a great education i changed my life in many ways i paid for it i mean i still had out of pocket wrestling is a a sport with only nine and a half scholarships. Uh, so, you know, 
the reality is I chose to pay for that because I wanted to go in a certain direction. I mean, there's a lot of these kids, you know, my brothers included, that I got brothers who wanted to wrestle because they wanted to wrestle. Now, they would have wrestled for, you know, whatever club system, whatever system was in place they would have wrestled for. And they would have made money, quite frankly, because they were in the top echelon. And, and if you want to see the greatest athletes play, you pay to watch them. And in, in college athletics, it's the only system in the world where we do not respect an athlete's right or an entertainer, whatever you want to call it, celebrity. We don't respect that. We respect, uh, you know, the guy that creates Facebook in his room. He's on top scholarship. And no one told him you can't become an entrepreneur as you're working on your degree. Right. Well, the, the, the big thing is, is no one is the 106,000 people aren't watching a kid do algorithms. It's I mean, that's the that. difference. And so and, I, I and, guess let's, 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 let's focus this in on something though. Um, because it's, it's, it's easy to, to see the, the injustices. I think anybody with half a brain can see the injustices, right? We can all see that. Um, so, you know so, no, anybody can. They may not want to admit it, Mike, but you hook up Gene Smith to a lie detector and he would. He, there's no way he could say that this is a fair system. There's just no way. And I don't even know if Gene would say that on the record, but I know he wouldn't say it off the record. Um, and so there, there's nobody why anybody believes it. It just doesn't make any damn sense. And so the question then becomes, and, and this is something you've invested in your life um, at sometimes to great cost to yourself, certainly emotionally and, and even financially. What, what is it? You've spent a lot of time on this. Give me a plan. How, how does it, well, how should this be done? Well, first of all, I, let's talk future because the future is what we want to build. You know, I've been, that's what I want to ask you about. We've been talking about a lot of the past. The future isn't that, that complicated in my opinion. Look, I mean, amateurism at the Olympic level ended 20 years ago. I mean, the Olympics got it before college athletics. That's kind of, I mean, that's bizarre in and of itself. You, you got beat by one of the, you know, the oldest amateur models in the, in, in the history of humanity. Okay, they, they walked away from the Olympic, the amateurism stance. Michael Phelps is allowed to make money being Michael Phelps. Right. That's where you start. That's the easy no-brainer. And that's what we thought everyone understood when we, you know, when we were having these conversations. It's easy. Here's the best example. In 2013, when EA Sports uh, was sued by Ed O'Bannon uh, in, mm -hmm. in conjunction with the NCAA and CLC at the time, which was owned, I don't know if it was owned by IMG at the time. I think it was prior to the IMG uh, purchase. But CLC has been in this position before where a player sued because his image was being used in the video. That's the, you know, the really the, that's, that was the glass ceiling that got broken, okay? So you have this case, O'Bannon wins, but the, the, the fundamental issue was EA Sports, that game was doing uh, reportedly $3 billion top line. And that's a lot of revenue to walk away from because you don't want to change your rules as it relates to amateurism. I mean, you, we're talking about a game which builds your brand also. Think of the branding that has not been in place in college football since 2013. And people still miss it. Even those that don't believe in change or are invested in the current economic model, you know, those, and we all know who they are. They, they played here and they speak on, you know, they have there's many prominent voices that are former players that are a little uncomfortable with change as well. The reality is no one argues that if we brought EA Sports College football back, that it wouldn't mean more money for everyone. Right. It's just Why sharing that's it. That's so hard to change. Because nobody wants to share it. They, they view it as, I'll, I'll speak to the other side of it, with the, with the reason that, it, that they are fearful. Here's what they're fearful of. It's the, it's the whole the charade of the student-athlete. <laughs> Right. It's because how are you going to tell a kid like if you think about this, let's let's use an Ohio State football player. And the one that comes to my mind most prominently is Terrell Pryor. Terrell Pryor comes to Ohio State. When Terrell Pryor came to Ohio State, before he even stepped foot on campus, you could buy a number two jersey made by Nike in Buckeye Corner. Fact, you could. 
Amen. I know. I went to the store and I saw him being able to buy it. Now, you can tell me that number two jersey wasn't for him, but we all know it was. We also know that the co- at one point, I know for sure Tress did this, he would call the supply, the stores and say, you're going to want to stock a lot of these. Right? So, Amen. so that was the deal. And now they've gotten away from that. Now they sell the year and they sell the number one in an effort to try and, and you know, make it seem like it's not quite so obvious. Um, but, the, but what they're scared of is, is what is Terrell Pryor's worth? Like, let's say he could market himself and his image when he was at Ohio State. In the eyes of the people who coached him and tried to administer Terrell Pryor, he was hard to handle as it was. How could they possibly get him to listen to them? Now, that's their problem, not my problem. I'm just speaking from their perspective. Amen, baby. They're You're terrified. The They're going to be terrified about trying to – because he would be worth a million dollars a year in Columbus. Maybe a millionaire as a freshman. That's, that's what they're scared of. Not want. Bo, that's what Bo, they don't want. Let me expand on that. Let me. You're saying, I'm just telling you that's their perspective. Well, and again, I they don't want competition. If you don't have to, if the emperor doesn't have to feed the mob, he's not going to feed the mob. The only way for him to change is if the mob says enough. And and, and then the emperor has no clothes, and I think that's where we are now. And exactly. And so what you're saying. And again, I, I think you're right. These aren't, I don't think anyone bad or good. Let's, let's, let's be clear there because it, it's a very personal issue with the players. You know, we're talking about, they see this so, it's so apparent to anyone that has a, that is not connected to the system as it is. Okay, it's, it needs to change. It is changing. So let's get in front of it. That's it's that simple. The future is it's such an easy piece. Let them control their name and likeness and be entrepreneurs like anyone else. Yes. Is it going to mean that that the college football players club is going to solicit corporate donate or corporate sponsorships and, and compete to some extent with IMG for the overall market of of Ohio State athletics slash players, yeah, potentially. But quite frankly, what will happen, in my opinion, is we will develop additional revenue streams because we are actually working together and that the players become valued as a partner instead of a free labor source. Because what happens, what's going to happen, what you already see happening with Christian McCaffrey and and these seniors that are playing in games that are not compensating them to play. Jabril Peppers sat out the Orange Bowl. I mean, said, no, I'm listen, good. It's not yeah. going to get any better because right. they see the numbers. Right. If everyone else is going to make billions, then where are my numbers? Because you're talking about a combat sport. I mean, there's only so many hits your body can take. And you know, look at Maurice is the best example. You said it perfectly. If Maurice was able to demand the highest dollar from his high school to college, he would be worth millions right now. It's that simple. I would have been able, a guy like me or some other marketer would have been able to put his beautiful smile, you know, on a, on a, on a Pepsi can. And he would have been making a lot of money. Now, Yes. Oh, how are we going to control it? The, the reality is they don't want their athletes to have power, and power comes no, with of course not rights, and well, rights I, come with money. And so to it, your it, point earlier about Northwestern, I think you're going to see more and more of that organization pop up. I think you're going to see more students start to, you know, Missouri. try to form a union, try to do that kind of stuff for their own benefit. Um, well, Guys, ask yourself about the uh, Johnny. Ask yourself about Missouri. Right. I can tell you in, in conversations I had, the administrators we worked with, you know, Gene, uh, Rick Van Bremer, uh, Julie Venetta, there's some IMG folks. But when you bring up the two words, uh, O'Bannon and Missouri, those are the two that really strike a nerve. Yeah. Number one, O'Bannon, it's law. I mean, I, it's nothing I did or Archie did, or Chris did, it's what the courts have spoken. And 
it's a fundamental right of a, of a human being to control their likeness and image. We mentioned Tom Brady and, and uh, the, the, the rock Tom Brady is a, is a, is represented by WME, which owns IMG. And I can tell you that Tom Brady, his representative, his representative at IM or WME would never let IMG use his image without his permission. Right. Period. Same thing with Dwayne Johnson, who's a WME client. And again, it's just com- it's just common sense. Now it gets complicated because they got 128 schools, and this <laughs> it's not the first it's not the first and only school that they've made a mistake at. That's IMG. Now when you look at the university, there's actually a precedent. There's there's history of proven. Uh, uh, relationships between players and the university where everyone's on the same page. We get compensated or the player gets compensated for his jersey. Uh, 10% of the overall royalty goes to the university. 10% goes to the player. Everyone makes money and we drive commerce. Again, let's get ahead of this so that those, that system is a system that's fair and allows all parties to benefit from the increasing revenues, and the revenues are not going to go down. Yeah, they're going up. Well, and I think and I, I think I think you said it right when you, you're talking about getting ahead of it, because there's just so many more things that are be coming down the pike, and you keep resisting, you keep resisting, you keep resisting. Eventually, it's gonna it's gonna bite you in the butt because you're not gonna you're not going to be able to fight off every single thing that's going to be coming at you. And I think if you have your, you know, your heels stuck in the ground, you're like, we cannot change. This is the way amateurism is going to be, et cetera. It's not going to work. That's not permanent. You can't no. live like that. You can't sustain that. Um, and I think the NCAA Missouri. is going to find that out. the Missouri out. case. Look, look yeah. what and that, well, and, and that's just, and in my opinion, that's just the first of many. I, I think this is going to be that's, the next That's what I'm years saying. That's, be... that's where it becomes. It, from my standpoint, and this is what we tried to explain to Ohio State. What if, what if the players get to the point where again it's boiling, yeah, it's boiling? When, what happens when they say ten minutes before a game or during a game speak in a in a united position? What's that do to college football? If right. athletes are making demonstrations on the court, on the football field. And these guys learn. They watch Colin Kaepernick. And there's, you know, there's a, there's a story on both sides. You know, it's a, it's, a, it's a bold move to have a position that may or may not be politically correct. But there's very few that would, that would argue with athletes who would, would like to participate in the millions and billions of dollars that are being created. It, I think yeah. the universities have a lot of exposure if they don't get out in front of it. And, and I think at the end of the day, that's the biggest takeaway or the biggest message we want to present is that the players want to work together to avoid a disruption in the marketplace. I mean, this, there, there's a major contract uh, going to be bid on for the FBS last four games in two years. In order to maximize those numbers, I would assume the networks want to make sure that there's a there's labor peace. And at the end of the day, you may not be paying your labor or calling them your labor, but they're your labor. They don't show <laughs> well, up. Here's, here's the tricky they part. They don't show up. There's no show. No, you're right. <laughs> but the problem is, is that that those kids don't have any power. Your client, the guys you're with, do. Uh, they they have these are successful the, the two guys that we've been spending the majority of time talking about talking about Chris and Archie these are successful men and they can they if if they're involved in this Mike and let me get you out of here on this so let's let's put a ribbon on this thing uh, there's been a lot you know that we've discussed but but at the root of this is is a lawsuit between uh, of which the names Chris Spielman and Archie Griffin are suing Ohio State and IMG and, and that's still hard for Buckeye fans to wrap their minds around but what I would say is um, having worked with Chris at radio. And and worked with Archie on on mm-hmm. coach's show and all sorts of stuff. And I know them both a little bit, probably not as well as you do, but I know them both a little bit. Um, is that they would not be engaged in something like this unless they knew they had the stomach for the fight. 
That's um, right. And so, so as, how do you crystal ball this for me? We'll get you out of here on this. Crystal ball this for me. How, how, how does this fight go? And, and I'm assuming uh, knowing them, knowing you now for about an hour that you guys are in it, you know, for the long haul. It's going to be work. I mean, it's no different than what you see in Washington. I mean, you've got three, you know, we got major bureaucracies that have engaged in business a certain way for a long time. And that those, those practices are in, um, you know, need to be changed. There needs to have change. Anytime you have change, it could take long. This could be a, uh, it could take six months, six weeks, six years. And, uh, and yet, the reality is it's it's likely sooner than later because the speed at which information travels now compared to 10 years ago, compared to 20 years ago, compared to 50 years ago, the, the amount of information and the new consumer of that information does not want to be involved in a system that doesn't respect all parties. It's just, that's, that's, that's the future. So, do I think it's going to be quicker? I, I, I hope so, because you're, you, you said it perfectly. Archie Griffin and Chris Spielman put their names, well, Chris officially put his name on a lawsuit. And Archie, again, he's not suing, quote, quote, the university, but he supports the class of yeah. individuals that are. And, and if their two names are associated, you know that it's a very serious, um, important matter. Uh, and again, the players, the current players, that we don't want to get them involved. They, they, you know, they should focus on what 19, 18, 19, 20 year old kids should be focused on. It takes guys like Chris and Archie to say to you know the old guys, enough's enough, and it's up to us, the old guys, the older, I say older guys, <laughs> to uh, to just remind everyone what college athletics is really all about. I mean, the money's wonderful. Everyone, you know. We we were focused on revenue and all this stuff, but at the end of the day, we have young men and women that are competing in a what we all agree is a beautiful sport. Sports in general, they do so many wonderful things, but at the end of the day, you cannot have a system that exploits. If you're in the education business, if you're in the human rights business, I mean, this is this is it's it's it's. It's going to get done, but again, you've got big ships that move slowly and turn slowly, so it could take longer, you know, perhaps than you and I would want, but uh, at the end of the day, nothing worth anything comes easy or, you know, quickly. So uh, with that said, go Bucks. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Mike, yeah, I know this is, uh, th- there's a lot to this. Um, I, I know I'm sure our listeners have appreciated um, that you know, this is wide ranging. There's a lot of stuff we hit here. Um, this is something, you know, I was excited to have you on because this is something that I've been passionate about for a long time and doesn't always make me have a lot of fans when I go down this road. But um, it, it was it was enlightening to have you on. And I really do appreciate your time. And I wish you the very best of luck going forward with this. Well, guys, listen, we appreciate the time. This is an education process. I mean, again, the the mythology of amateurism is ingrained in all of us and and again with these types of opportunities uh, this is you know this is a movement to to some extent of of pushing a a new narrative that makes sense for all so thank you for your time and uh when you guys want to up when the need is to update we'd love to come back on that would be great that sounds great all right thanks mike have a good night man all right be good you know, Johnny, as, as we you know reflect on Mike, and we really appreciate Mike's time, as we said, I, I think the, the thing that is going to be tricky about this, and it, it always does, and, and the reason I said I'm, I never gain many fans when I talk about this on radio or on anywhere, um, is because really what most people just want is their college football Saturdays. Um, right. They don't want to know how the hot dog's made, in other words. Yeah. And they don't, in most of their cases, they either envied uh, athletes um, or thought that they had life way too easy. And so that will be the tricky part of, of the next step. Everybody's going to root for Chris uh, in this case. Most people will be. I'm sure it's overwhelming. Um, but in terms of the next step of pay-for-play athletes, that's where it'll be tricky because the sympathy just might not be there um, on that front. I don't know if society's quite ready for that yet. 
I don't, yeah, I don't know that most people are there. I think it's important that we talk to guys like Mike and, and get this kind of information out there, at least to have the discussion, because it's already happening. I mean, a lot of people, like you said, they just want to tune in on Saturdays and be like, all right, that's my football, and then I'm done. Yeah. But when you live this, when this is a constant part of your life, you, you don't really turn it off. Like, you've got to kind of absorb it and be in it all the time. And I can totally understand the perspective of an athlete that goes, all of my friends are making money on these side hustles. They've got, you know, Instagram, they've got their YouTube channel and all this other yeah. stuff. And the fact that I would be denied that because I play a sport where I already give so much of my time to the university, I, I, I get it. I, I can totally see that perspective. And I think people need to at least acknowledge that point and see where they're coming from. And, and that's why I'm glad we can do interviews like we just did with Mike. So, all right, before we uh, before we wrap it up, we had uh, a, a monster Game of Thrones that I want to spend five minutes on. Yeah, um, let's do because it. We, yes. we do it every week. Um, right. And and I think one of the most we I mean, I've gone on long enough about Euron Greyjoy and how this guy came from nowhere to be the greatest sailor warrior battler of all time. Sure. Um, but, but we have not spent a whole lot of time on on this idea that that Cersei Lannister maybe has played the game better than everybody else from start to finish. <laughs> And and she is just eviscerating uh, uh, Tyrion Lannister at every move. I mean, yeah. she has just crushed him. Um, this is a scenario. So this is a scenario where stunning. being a horrible, awful human being is exactly the right play, right? Like yeah. all of that stuff that made her terrible at playing the game. Uh, you know, where you had to to be able to negotiate and build friendships and stuff. When you're just trying to burn the world down right now. That's Cersei Lannister. That's her. That's basically her forte. She is doing this. The the stuff she did to the uh, Sand Snakes and uh, you know Larry Stone, like that was ridiculous. And uh, the I don't know, just all the other stuff. The one thing that I'm excited for though, and I was thinking about this. This is what I really wanted to talk about. Uh, was Jamie finally finding out the the actual murder of his son of of Joffrey because that was to me the high point of the episode that well the queen so of thorns hard. gives you your first clean dignified death in the history of game of thrones <laughs> right yeah yeah right you I don't mean, even see it she just kind of chills in her chair yeah she has one big gulp of wine right crushes the guy who's sent to kill her and then dies alone in her that's a pretty good way to go i mean no yeah. one has died like that in that show as far as Game of Thrones goes, that's probably the best death you're going to get. Yeah, it's um, a fantastic. I like, I'd take that death right now. Started. Like if I can sign up for that at 82, I'd take it right now. <laughs> yeah, one big guzzle Dang. of bourbon and then it's done. Right. Uh, I like that they started the episode with John and Danny. I thought that was great. You finally get to see them meet up for the first time, and I'm glad they didn't pussyfoot around. They just kind of went right to it. Uh, I like the fact that John is essentially going to be what I wanted them to do, which was just say like, he's the guy screaming that you guys are all insane. White death is coming. You're all stupid. Right. I want him to keep that narrative up. I want him to keep saying that. Cause I think that's a critical part of creating tension in the show. So I thought that was awesome. And uh, yeah, that was just, that was badass. I just love seeing John and Dan in the same room together. I thought that was cool. And I, I liked that. John kind of shot her down and said, I'm not bending the knee for no, I'm what did that mean to somebody like them. you? Who's been invested in these books for 10 years. Oh, it was cool. I mean, it, you know, because you, as a book reader, that's what you've been waiting for, really, for how long? Yeah, no, that's. I mean, it's it's the moment. It is the moment. But for me, I like, you know, they were so far ahead of the books, and, and the the two characters could be in such different places. I mean, that's going to happen in the books. I don't think anybody doubts that. But for me personally, I am more excited about the idea of Jon Snow having to negotiate and having to talk to people like I, I, as, as cool as that first intro scene with Danny was, I am more interested in scenes where he has to explain himself because he's so bad at it. Every time in the show, like you've seen this in the show, right? Where he was talking to Stannis and he's trying to convince them of the necessity of taking in the wildlings and where he's talking to the night or the, the, uh, you know, the night's watch and trying to tell them that, you know, there's a bigger enemy here. He's not good at it. He's not a diplomat. Charismatic. (laughs) No, he's not charismatic. He's, he's, he just sucks the soul out of a room. And I, I love that because you can watch him in the course of both the show and the books try to figure out how to do that. And now he's confronted with this you know, potentially crazy invader with three dragons. How does he navigate that? How does he convince them that you, 
there is a really serious problem here that you need to help us out with. Don't worry about bending the knee and all this other bull crap. How does he convince them? To me, that's where most of the tension in the story comes from. And I'm really excited to see how they do that in the next couple episodes. It w- it's been um, the other thing that uh, that I, because the White Walkers have no personality. So, I mean, this stuff had, they had to do this. They had to make the bad guys win. Otherwise, there's no show. Because yeah, you, you can't just have High her. Garden it, and just tramping over High Garden with no real resistance. I thought yeah, was a, that's a yeah. bit of a cop out. That's actually what I thought you right. would take the most umbrage with. Because they High Garden's supposed to have a crap ton of troops. And to just roll over right. them in the 10 second sequence was stupid. They're, they're the best fortified. They have the most money, the most resources. And, and they've, they haven't really been engaged in a battle at all. Right? right. And that was I the mean, since, line where they're like, well, yeah. we don't really fight that much. Like, yeah, but you still like you're, you're still you're ready. Army. You shouldn't. Yeah, just you'd be ready. I mean, that. Yeah, that right. was pretty ridiculous. And you think about like on cool. all the fronts, the Lannisters have been fighting for all this time and they would still be able to just roll in there in, in two hours and take out and just seize Highgard was re- yeah. kind of ridiculous. That's a big problem. Um, but they got to I, I, I guess they're doing it. But yeah, I don't. Like yeah. It. And I think, you know, I'll two other. Th- so. I understand why they're doing this. This is the time in the Game of Thrones season where the bad guys are more interesting. The bad guys win. So this will turn at the end. And I, my guess is at the end of the season, you have some sweet revenge um, yeah. for the good guys. I am terrified of one of these dragons getting shot by one of those anti-aircraft missiles. <laughs> I know I that's going to happen. I know you it's going to happen. It sucks, but yeah. it's going to happen. Yeah. Somebody's going to be one of show that too. I mean, we're done on that front. Yeah, one of the dragons is is going to be gone, and then probably going to be Drogon, don't you think? Because we know him the most, it'll hurt the most. I don't know. I feel like that's. I think they want to keep the you know Danny riding into battle on our toughest thing. I think they'll keep that for the end of the show. I don't think it's going to be Drogon. I think it'll be one of the other two. That'll be a sad day, man. It will be sad because they're the, the, they're the coolest part of the show. Honestly, yeah. like I love watching them in action. The, the last season where they finally get to just destroy a fleet of ships was. To me, that was one of the best sequences in the entire show. I love that. Yeah, and I also thought it was ridiculous when Danny's like, well, why don't I just burn his fleet? And they're like, well, no, <laughs> yeah. one arrow can take you. It's too big of a risk. I'm like, well, what? wait a second. No. Just <laughs> what are you talking about? Close. Like, just fly three dragons in and burn Euron Greyjoy's ass. Like, come on. Right. So... <laughs> Uh, but it's, cru- I mean, it's cruising. It's been, it, it's the first episode I didn't, I was, I was worried, but boy, they have put a lot of plot and a lot of action into the last two episodes. I mean, it's really cruising. I think um, next so episode, I think next episode's going to be the bomb doc. I, they, they, I mean, I've tried to avoid the leaks. They just had that huge hack where like, yeah, I'm avoiding it. But, uh, I think, I think next episode, some serious crap's going to go down. Cause I did see a promo picture and of, of Drogon just lighting crap up and yeah, it looks, it looks pretty serious. Then I so think I'm he dies. Excited. I think he dies. That's my prediction. I'll leave you on that note. I think he dies in the next episode or the one after that. I, I hope not. Man. That would suck, but he, he might, yeah. he might. Well, happen. I didn't want Led Stark to die and he died. I didn't want, <laughs> you know, I mean, he's the one we care them. He's the one that'll hurt the most if they kill him. So yeah, that's, that's, true. that's where I'm going to roll with that. All right, buddy, we will visit next week and uh, we'll get back into uh, the, the, the business of uh, fall camp. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's started. Football's here. Let's, let's get into it. Let's go. All right, buddy. See you next week. See you next week.